Whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Hello and welcome to the I Could Never Do That podcast. I'm Carrie Barrett, and these are the stories of people who have gone into the arena and fought hard to achieve the unthinkable in spite of the fact that, yes, sometimes they are scared and do have some insecurities. Are you ready to go in? It's my hope that after hearing some of these interviews with thought leaders and artists, athletes, musicians, and entrepreneurs, that maybe you too will be able to go from, I could never do that, to, you know what? Maybe I can. Oh my gosh, this episode is so fun. And how could it not be when you're interviewing the partners of Team Adorkable, or Team Shit Show, as they refer to themselves, which is the celebrity, those are my words, not theirs, the celebrity swim run team of Amy Bush and Trista Menon. Now, I've known Amy for a long time, and she's always doing something epic and just insanity, really. 100 milers, Ironmans, Ultramans. She's, she's always been an inspiration to me, but recently... I have seen her kicking it up and together with Trista, completely going off the deep end, pun intended, on this relatively new phenomenon of a sport called swim run. And specifically, the Otillo World Championships in Sweden, which is the Super Bowl of the swim run sport. Now, swim run isn't just triathlon without the bike. And you'll hear them say it couldn't be further from that, actually. It is a cross between rock climbing, trail running, open water swimming, orienteering, adventure racing, and so much more. You essentially are swimming from island to island. And in between that swim, those swims, actually, you're running through trails and forests and whatever landscape the race director comes up with on the course. And to the point where you could have upwards in some of these races, upwards of 40 to 50 transitions (laughs) between the two sports. Yeah, so definitely not your typical triathlon where you have beautifully defined transitions where you get to set up towels and things like that. Oh, no. Because in swim run, yes, you have all of these dozens of transitions, but you're doing this with all of your equipment and nutrition on you at all times. And I'm talking buoys, paddles, shoes, goggles, nutrition. It all sounds so incredibly intimidating, which is quite honestly where my own I could never came in. But these two make it so dang approachable. And that's why I wanted to share their story today. So my mission was to have them get me from I could never to maybe I can. And you know what? Mission accomplished. So please welcome Trista Menon and Amy Bush from Team Adorkable. Well, thank you for being here. This is so exciting for me because, yeah, like I said, I have been a friend of Amy's for a long time, but a fan of Team Adorkable (laughs) when I started to see Amy posting all of these fun-ass photos from these races. And 
for like one hot second, I'm like, Ooh, maybe I could do that. But like, I am still in the, I firmly in the, I could never camp when we'll it comes to, to swim that. run. Yeah. Let's get you. That is your mission for today is to get me, <laughs> get me over this hump. So, uh, I'm going to ask a lot of really naive, basic questions and you two are now firmly entrenched in the swim run world. You've been racing together since 2018. So almost five years now. Uh, so I will have you guys back up and start talking about all of the logistics of how these dumb things even work. And then um, talk about what the future holds. But first, I want to go back and try to put the pieces together because quite honestly, I didn't make it that far back in the blogs. How in the world did you guys meet? <laughs> so I'm originally like, I'm originally from Austin. I grew up in Texas. Um, I'm living in Atlanta now. But when um, so I grew up a swimmer you know, summer league swimming, like, you know, my entire childhood, and then eventually went on to like compete at the high school level and then stopped after that. But um, sometime, you know, in my adult life, I um, wanted to try triathlon. Um, we were talking earlier before we started recording about the Danskin. That was my um, first official like race. Um, and for that, I, I wanted to do some training. I'd never, I didn't have a bike. I'd never done a triathlon. I obviously had swam before, but not much in open water. So I signed up for Iron Chicks, which is done through the Rogue um, training groups there. I remember I was not Iron Chicks, but I absolutely remember you guys. Yep. I loved it. It was so great for, for, for me. It was very, you know, basic entry level specific training per, you know, each sport. And um, the coach that I got, Karen, um, she was the running coach there. She somehow convinced me, you know, I think probably because when I proclaimed at the very beginning, like, oh, I hate running. Like, you know, when you say that to someone, I think someone, especially that is a you runner. Knows Karen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Karen, yeah. Karen Bauer Smith, I, I assume. Yeah, of course. I, about, of course. I yeah. think she probably took it to be her personal mission to like change my mind. And she somehow convinced me after that season of training to sign up for her marathon training group um, with Rogue. And she told me, look, exactly. It's an advanced class, Trista, but you'll be fine. You'll be fine. I'm like, advanced? I didn't even know what that meant, you know? I probably never ran more than three consecutive miles at a time. And um, I signed up for it, and Matt and Amy just happened to be in my same marathon training group. And Karen quickly realized, I think, that I was like in way over my head. I had no idea what I was doing. And she um, would just tell me, just stick with Amy. Like, just follow her. Do what she does. Like, I didn't, I didn't have a watch. I didn't have a GPS watch. I didn't have any of that. I didn't even know what it felt like to, like, run a consistent pace. And um, you know, Amy, you know that she's really, really good at that, like walking in in a pace and just like going and and she was experienced. And so, yeah, I just kind of like followed her. And that's where Amy and I initially met. And then um, her blogs like sucked me in, too. You know, she was I, I after that, I moved away from Austin and traveled quite a few different places and lived in all over the place. But I stayed in touch with Amy, mostly through her blogs. And um, I was always reading about like her fun adventures. And when I was living overseas, there came a point where I was like, you know, I think I'm ready to try maybe an Ironman. It was like a, a huge goal for me. But I was like, how do I begin? Like, where do I start? What do I do? And I reached out to Amy and, and Karen. And I was like, all right, guys, what do I do? And then that's kind of when Amy and I reconnected. And we did a whole lot of training after that. Yeah, yeah. I love it that as we do, you went from not at all knowing how to do a sprint triathlon, had never run, you know, three more, more than three miles in your life. And at some point, not so far into the future, you went, do you think I should do an Ironman? Like, yeah. <laughs> what, 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 how does this, 
how does this happen? I mean, and I'm blaming Amy actually. Because, we all blame Amy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, it, Amy, you are one of those athletes that your longevity is inspiring and your passion for everything that you decide to do and you never decide to do small things, but everything that you decide to do, you do it again with this sense of humor and humility, but it all sounds doable. You make things feel doable. And so sound a lot better than I am. The truth of the matter is that I'm very slow and I don't like running fast. And if you run a 5k, people expect you to run fast. If you do an Ironman, no one expects you to go fast. So the longer you go, the more slow you can justify being. Yes. That is why I do think that is why endurance sport is so appealing. And by endurance sport, I mean like the long course races, because you're right. It sounds way more impressive when you say, oh, it took me 15 hours to do that Ironman than when you say, oh, I finished it in seven hours and 34 minutes or whatever, whatever the record is. really worth it at that point. Yeah. Well, (laughs) in addition to multiple Ironmans and and the swim run stuff that we're going to get into, you have also completed what they call an Ultraman, which to me is absolute next level. And Trista, I'm not sure if you've ever competed in one or not. Okay. I don't want to sell you short if you've done one as well, but (laughs) no, I haven't done that. Yeah. I could never do that. I know. Well, and Amy, could you describe what an Ultraman is? So it's a three-day event. Um, The first day is a 10K open water swim followed by a 90-mile bike. The second day is a 170-mile bike, just just a 170-mile bike only and the third day is a double marathon. Yeah. Uh, and you and you have 12 hours each day to do correct. those distances. Correct. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, for the record, and we're going to get into this when we get to the swim run part, I hate the bike. So 170 miles on a single day on the bike was just hell for me. It was, and I got pretty close to the cutoff. Um, so then I rallied the next day and came back and ran. And that's a thing I can do. So <laughs> yes, yes, you are quite the distance runner. Okay, so you two, I, I did not know that history. So thank you for sharing that. I did not know that you guys met way back in Iron Chicks. My very first dance skin was 2002. So it was probably similar timing for, yeah, for yeah. you guys. And I've uh, been doing triathlons and stuff ever since. So Whoever was, um, I'm trying to think of what, I I really wasn't part of a group. I didn't do Iron Chicks, but like I I sort of floated around in different teams. Like I took, um, I took Texas Irons swim clinics because I literally could not swim. Um, Learn learn from fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, I still 20, 20 years later, I'm still not a great swimmer, but um but I can do it, right? I can I can do the distances and and not wind myself. So, talk to me about swim run. That's what we're here to talk about because what I find fascinating is much like the Ironman in Kona, um, those events which are sort of the Super Bowls of our sports. In many ways, they feel very unattainable for normal, average folks like the three of us um, to ever qualify to be there. And that's how I feel about this Otillo World Championships. I know enough about Swim Run to know that that is the Super Bowl, that it's in Sweden, that it's incredibly difficult. 
Uh, and then the next thing you know, here's Team Adorkable lining up at the <laughs> So you got to get me there. Okay. You've got to get me there mentally. So, all right. So you guys start racing together in 2018. What did the swim run scene look like almost five years ago? Well, so I first heard of swim run, you know, Amy and I were living in different places. I was living in Charlotte. She was in Austin and we were training together virtually within our little group um, for Arizona, Ironman, Arizona. And at the time in Charlotte, I was swimming with a master's group um, and I had some friends, Marcus and Dan, who I knew that they did swim run. I also knew they did some crazy other races. But at the time, I didn't really know what swim run was, but I just always saw them at the opposite end of the pool in their own lane, always with paddles and buoys like they, that's all they trained with. And um, so I talked to them about their, you know, like, tell me what swim run is like, what is this that you do? And they told me a bunch of crazy races that they, they had originally done the Attila world champs in 2015 and also Rockman, which is a really big swim run race overseas in Norway. And um, about the same time there was, you know, Amy and I were always training and chatting about, you know, Ironman. And she had also mentioned swim run. I think that you had seen the swim run in sea. Uh, videos and and pictures, right, Amy? Hype videos, yeah, yeah. And so when when you hear, you know, at the time, so there's three people that I know of that knew of swim run, and another friend of ours, Meredith, um, who I swim with, also, she had heard about it and started talking about maybe doing it. And so I was like, you know, Amy, like, what is this, and is is it appealing to you? And she was like, heck yeah, like let's do it. And that's kind of how we first, you know, got into swim run, I guess, and, you know, started getting interested in it. We had no idea what it no clue. was or what we were getting ourselves into, because when you first learn about it, you think, okay, at swimming and running, it's triathlon without the bike. And it could not be further from triathlon. That's yeah, that's fascinating because as, as we will get into now, it, A, it requires a whole set of new equipment. Absolutely. And that's the best yeah. Well, and, you know, also not just the equipment, but also skills, you know, for me, Amy had a trail running background. She had, um, before we got into swim run, she had done some trail running, you know, some short races, hundred milers and stuff, whatever. Um, <laughs> but I had never trail <laughs> run before I strictly, you know, and that's probably why I hated running so much. I had only ran on the road. And so when we started, you know, like peeling back the layers of swim run and what is it? I was like, Oh shit, I'm going to have to get some trail shoes and probably figure out what it's like to run on rocks and dirt. Like I'd never done that before. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Well, and so there is a, there is actually a sport and God, if I, please tell me, I'm not going to get it wrong. Is it like aquathlon? Anyways, there is a sport that you could do. That is you do a swim and then you do a run and the race is over. That is basically triathlon without the bike because you're doing yes. road running and you're doing a very controlled open water swim and that, yeah, that's yes. more triathlon without the bike. They're, they're uh, like the, and that sport, aquathlon, I'm so saying it wrong, but <laughs> we're not helping aqu- you. Aquathon, I don't <laughs> know. It, it's a swim. It is a swim run, but as you said, you swim once and it's a very controlled open water environment and you get out of the water and you and you take off your wetsuit. You like you take off this swim equipment, put your running shoes on, and then you go for a very controlled one run. There is finish. a legitimate uh, transition area for that, which is yes. a big difference. <laughs> yes. So swim run is not that correct. Um, so in a nutshell, talk to me about what swim run even is. 
So the two main things that initially freak people out about swim run is you swim with your shoes on and you run in a wetsuit. And <laughs> first, that just sounds ridiculous. It makes me and so nervous. <laughs> you don't have to do that. The rules are whatever you start with, you have to finish with. So when you get to the water, if you want to take off your shoes and put them in a dry bag and put them in a backpack and swim, you can. But for instance, the world champs that we just did, how many transitions did it have? Like 56 or something like that? Mm. And mm-hmm. so if you do that, if you take off and on your shoes every single time, you're going to add three hours to your yeah. race. Yes, yes. <laughs> you can even take off your shoes and put on fins if you want, but then you just have to carry fins on the run. But at its, at its core, basically, swim run is just, you know, with with only human powered movement propelling yourself through nature. That's that's really all it is. And yes, well, it, you made it, it sound perfect. <laughs> it is already sold. Spoiler. It's done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that just made it sound fun. <laughs> Moving through nature. I mean, like you, yeah, you had me. You have you've got me now. But but the difference being nature includes uh and it can include, depending on where you're racing, uh ocean swells or muddy, gross, disgusting, murky lakes. Mm-hmm. Uh it could include a variety of terrain that you're scrambling up and down. Um, it includes uh, both swims and runs of multiple distances uh, and up to, as you said, 56 transitions like they have in the world championships. Smaller races, I would imagine, have fewer transitions, but... You could be, you could end up running and swimming up to what's 10 times each. I like what is kind of the typical for some of the regional races. And and that's the beauty about swim run is that every, every course is different. Every race is different. And it, it really is, um, you know, in triathlon, your distances are so dictated. You've got to do exactly this distance and anything plus or minus, you know, either side of those distances, athletes kind of freak out like, ah, I ran 3.2 miles and not 3.1. And, you know, they get all (laughs) upset about it, but, um, the, there really is no standard for these races. You know, sometimes there will be like a short and a long course offered, but you know, the short course could be two miles or it could be 15 miles. Like there's really no standard. It's just really whatever the race director sees, you know, the, the course, what they can do with the land that's provided to them. Nature dictates the course. And even, even for a single race, like Casco Bay um, in Portland, Maine, they change the course every year. So sometimes it goes from North to South. Sometimes it goes from South to North. It does different islands. It just depends on what's available, what they can get from the people who own the land and whether it's high tide or low tide, there's just all sorts of factors. So you never, you know, you never know what you're going to get. Mm. Well, you had, so you had me at like wetsuit and paddles and buoys. Like <laughs> I love that. Cause I, you know, I, I, I can swim with my paddles and buoys every day and feel like Michael Phelps. Uh, exactly. It's when I take them off that shit goes to hell. Don't take them off. We, we refuse to naked swim anymore. Yeah, we- <laughs> really? Okay, that's good to know. But the thing that scares me about all of this, aside from many things, is that there is an element of the fact that you you and your partner uh, are tethered together or 
is it and or you have to maintain like you have to be in very close proximity to each other. So you don't necessarily have to be tethered to each other or do you? Yeah. So, you know, again, at its core, swim run is a team sport. That's how it started. You know, there are courses and races out there that you can do solo. But Amy and I, um, you know, we've we've always done as a team. We prefer it that way. So the rules not always that state that you have to be tethered. Um, most of the most of the rules say you have to carry a tether and that's for safety purposes. That's, you know, in case you're out there in the currents and the swells, you know, that you can um, be tied to your person and know where each other are at all times. Um, one of you going down, you're both going down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm dragging you down with me. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But it's not always required. And in some places, it's absolutely prohibited. Like you don't want to do a cliff jump at some of these races tied to your partner. So it's really, um, it kind of, you know, comes and goes. But for for us, we like to stay tethered all the time. If you're not using the tether, the rules say, yeah, I think it's 10 meters that you have to stay. Um, you have to be by your person. Okay. So you have to finish together to sort of prove that you've done this together. I mean, and you have to, like, you can't, one of the nice things about the tether is that during the swim, it's really easy to stay together. So Trista is a faster swimmer than I am. I draft off of her. Um, she never has to look behind her to make sure that I'm there because I'm tethered to her. She can feel if anything happens. So um, like, imagine, you know, you've done, you know, triathlon and Ironman starts. Imagine looking around you and seeing 20 to 50 swimmers all in the same cap and same neoprene, how do you find your partner? You know, so yeah, it's really yeah. easy to lose your partner and you don't want to lose someone in the middle of that kind of swim. So it's nice to be tethered. We prefer to, to have it that way. There's no questions. I don't have to know, look, look back if she's there, I can feel her. Yeah, that's great. And so uh, you mentioned wetsuit, but these aren't traditional wetsuits that if you've seen triathlons um that you're used to seeing these are actually like shorties for lack of uh, a better word that i can't find mm -hmm. right now and specific brands make you know swim run specific wetsuits so the fact that you are changing uh terrain the fact that you're going from water to land multiple times throughout your races what do these what's important that that these wetsuits have, what qualities do they have to have in order for you to either stay warm or stay cool, not chafe, uh, store all of your shit. <laughs> it's, it's just, yeah, it's, it's not your typical uh, triathlon wetsuit. So what makes it unique? So I want to start by saying one of the problems that we're having with swim run, especially in the U S is barrier to entry. Um, and it, there is a lot of swim run gear that you can buy and you can spend just like triathlon, you can spend as much money as you want buying stuff, but you don't have to. And we want people to understand that when you're starting swim run, um, most swim runs will require, it's a cold water sport mostly. Um, and they will require a wetsuit, but it can be a triathlon wetsuit and you can cut it off at the knees so that you can run more easily in it. And it doesn't matter that it zips in the back, especially because you've got a partner who can help you if you need to. Um, so, you don't have to have a special wetsuit. That yeah, in fact, that. This, sport, this sport existed for 10 years before technology gave us swim run specific gear. You know, there's people doing this for mm -hmm. many, many years before we had all this stuff. So it's doable. And like, you know, don't let that be the reason you're, you know, scared, scared away from it. Yeah. 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 It, it, and it kind of is quite honestly, it, it's the same reason that, you know, that people shy away from triathlon because yes, you can go out and do it on a Huffy, but 
do you want to be the one who does? So like it, I, and I completely understand, like I'm getting in my own way, thinking about all of those reasons why I can't do it. So I appreciate you actually setting the record straight, Amy, because I would have never known that, that like, that you actually, A, aren't required to wear a wetsuit. It helps you certainly, especially in cold water, but you're not required and that you can use a triathlon wetsuit. But as you said, all that being said, there is amazing <laughs> gear out there. <laughs> it's so exciting to have. So it is. Yeah, we yeah. really we like to get into the gear. And of course, the swimmer and wetsuits are nice because they are you mentioned they're short, you know, so they're not going to cover your elbows or your knees. Um, typically, the swimmer and wetsuits will have thinner material in the legs and the hips for that mobility when you're running. So it's not as constrictive. Right. Um, um, so you're able to run easier and faster. Um, it's going to have all of that thick neoprene around the mid, like the core, it's going to have real flexible shoulders. It makes you look better, better in the ab area. I'm uh, just for that. I'm actually buying one just, <laughs> just, for, just for some of these holiday parties I have coming up. And um, it zips in the front. So, you know, when you're on the, some of the longer runs, um, you know, the, the water temperature is usually cold, but sometimes when you're running in neoprene, you do, do tend to, you know, overheat. So you can unzip that to vent. Or you can pull it, then we call it cabbing down. You can pull down the whole top of the wetsuit um, and expose the upper half of your body. It also, there are um, you know, specific gear that have pockets. Like when we did World Champs, we looked pregnant because you're carrying nutrition for what could be up to a 14-hour race. So you've got to be self-sufficient and you know, carry all of that with you. And so you have to have, you know, places to put all that stuff. Um yeah. And the, so it, it, so it zips in the front. So even if you do sort of like take it off your shoulders, are you wearing a tri kit underneath or just like sports bra? Well, this is, um, you know, personal preference. I think, you know, yeah. Amy and I, we do wear the arc sports bra that has pockets in it. And then over that we wear, it is kind of like a tri top, but it has pockets all in the front. So and many pockets. Like we're just wearing like, oh. pocket. <laughs> Yay, Yay for pockets. Okay. But one thing about the, the wetsuit, um, she said that it has the like thin um, legs so that you can run more easily. That is offset by so you have a pull buoy, you can have a pull buoy. Some people choose not to, we obviously choose to, um, that helps offset the weight of your shoes when you're swimming. So you're more buoyant, keeps your hips up. Um, and we learned the magic of the Swedish, um, pull buoy from arc. It is the lightest thing you've ever felt, but also the most buoyant thing you've ever felt. So like if you're swimming along and you want to stop and come up, it's almost hard to sit up because this thing is so buoyant. <laughs> I'm I'm writing down arc swim buoy. <laughs> A-R-K. And I know that you actually, because I, you know, in reading through some of the blogs, you there's like specific models that that you prefer. And so there's three different levels. There's the baby one, which we use in the pool because the middle size one that we use in racing is so buoyant that if you swim. Tristan and I were swimming the other day and I'm watching her swim along with her regular keel buoy and her feet are out of the water. They're so buoyant that her feet are just sticking up out of the water. Yeah. It feels like your like ass is on the ceiling of the pool <laughs> roof, you know, like nobody needs to see my ass like that. No. Really. <laughs> no. But you know what? Like if I could just for like once get a feel for like what actual swimming supposed to feel like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With my ass at the surface <laughs> of the and and like swimming downhill, as they say, like if I could ever just get a feel for what that actually is supposed to feel like. So also a strength workout, just trying to do a flip turn with a buoy like that. Oh my 
gosh. Yes. I have one of those buoys that, that are like the two chambers that you can fill up with water. I don't know if you've ever seen those. They're, they're hard plastic. So complete, completely not like our normal, like foam buoys, but it's a hard plastic buoy and it's got two fillable chambers. So you unscrew a cap and you can put water in it. So it weights it down. And so if you fill one chamber, you get like, you know, half drag. If you fill both chambers, like your feet are almost dragging across the bottom of the pool. And it's a strength, it's a strength workout. Like you're, it's supposed to help you with your stroke rate and your cadence just to keep a high stroke rate, particularly for starts of swims and building strength. But to do a flip turn in one of those, like it is slow motion because you're just like, is it wrong that my first thought was like, oh man, out at world champs when we were out in the middle of nowhere, we could have filled that with like whiskey or something. Yeah. And, like, cold. <laughs> yes, I need yeah. a safe regard to come along. We just have our own whiskey there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now I'm in now. Now you've officially got me in. So, um, so yes. Okay. Thank you for explaining the paddle or the, uh, the buoys, because I, I, you know, some photos that I've seen, it's just kind of, you know, teams that are running with just like the normal swim buoys that we see. So there are very specific buoys. What about the paddles? I know Amy, at least at world championships. No, you did. You decided to not use not your use new paddles. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what's, why would you want carbon? carbon? Is it just <laughs> because of light? It's just lighter to carry around. Yeah, the carbon paddles are are lighter and they don't flex as much, you know, so you can, in theory, get, you know, a stronger pull, right? Okay. Um, but also, you know, I, I guess Amy was, she hadn't been training with them. She didn't want to use the paddles, but you can, it's funny, if you look at the videos, um, you can see some swimmers, they'll like garbage lid size trash can, like size paddles wow, on their yeah. hand. And, you know, then some people have the tiny little paddle. So really it is just whatever you prefer and like what you want to go out there and do like anything goes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So now, now that leads to another question and I'm, I apologize for sort of getting out of sync, but I think about, so if you are racing against other female teams, do they score you differently based on whether or not you've used paddles or buoys or is it just like team's choice? Like like in open water swimming, you know, you have like the skins or like the wetsuit divisions, like Mm -hmm. in swim run, there's, you know, three divisions it's males, females, and mixed. And that's it. Yeah. Okay. There's there's no age groups. There's no like, you know, gear or no gear or anything like that. I mean, you're being silently judged at all time for your gear by every other team. But Absolutely. Why is she wearing that tiny buoy? <laughs> I, I hear you. Cause I like, it's, it's like, you know, in triathlon snorkels are actually legal. Yep. Uh, y- you can use a snorkel and, uh, but yet you, you, and as many people at, that would benefit from using it, you rarely see it. Cause you can just, you know, you just know, like, you don't want to be that person that's yeah. okay to handle it. <laughs> yeah. Even though it's probably safer and better and faster for a lot of people. Um, okay. So, all right, we've got the outfits down. Tell me, talk to me about shoes because I'm thinking, with all of these like slippery rocks and then gravel and road, like whatever, there's so much terrain. You're on mulch. You're, you're like in the woods. Are there a special, is there a special shoe that you're wearing or is it just like a normal trail shoe that you decide that you like? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Another next question. Okay. Another barrier to entry thing. Um, there's, 
as many shoes that people recommend as there are people. Um, when we started, we tried out some swim run specific shoes and we both ended up with plantar fasciitis. Mm. Um, <laughs> we went too minimal, too fast. And we ended up just using our Hoka speed goats. And because that's what worked for us and they probably, that's what we trail run in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what we knew worked. Um, and they hold a little more water than some other shoes and they're heavier than some other shoes, but with all of the gear you've got, like it doesn't really, you don't notice. So we always recommend when people are starting out just to wear whatever trail shoes work for you. Okay. Okay. And know that you're like, you're, they're going to get soaked and you're not going to take them on and off. Are you wearing socks or no? Is that just a dumb question? No, it's not a dumb question. Up to um, you. Yeah. 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 Once Talk again. Yeah. <laughs> put in put. Wow. Um, oh, it, it, it's one of the things that most people, you know, like, don't you get blisters? How do you not get blisters? And I think I've gotten way more blisters trail running than I ever have swim running. I've never gotten an answer to how do you not get blisters? Is I'm actually really curious about the same thing, but we never do. We it's never, so yeah, never have. Yeah. <laughs> and so you choose not, you don't wear socks then. No, we do. Absolutely. Oh, you do wear socks. Okay, we, do. we, we do wear, wear matching socks. socks. Yeah, oh, we that's have right. Socks. I have we seen that. Our yes. socks not yes. based on like performance, but on style. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I have seen that, and I I apologize because I even saw like the Sherpa socks because you even <laughs> you even put your Sherpas in in your. That's right. All about okay. looking as good as we're capable of looking. Yes, <laughs> yes. And and is chafing an issue? Like there's just uh, lots of yes. things rubbing at all yeah. areas. Amy and I tend to not really have a whole lot of problems with chafing. I think um anyone that spent any time in a wetsuit will will know that chafing around your neck, you're really prone to that in the swim, especially when you're in salt water. But um I think that the swim run suits are very soft around the neck. And I feel like that helps prevent some of the chafing, but you know, if you lube up and you apply all the lube that you can, it, it'll help offset that, but it's, it's, it doesn't happen in the run. It happens in the swim. The chafing happens in the swim. Interesting. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And oh, I'm thinking oh, cramping oh, oh. would be an issue. Oh, go back. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> give me chafing. And then I'm asking about cramping. Cause I feel like that transition from swimming to running and cold to hot, like that's, to me, that's a recipe for electrolyte imbalance and <laughs> cramping. So talk chafing and then cramping all the good things. Story. <laughs> the only time we've really notably chafed was the first time we did Casco Bay, which is in the ocean and our first real saltwater swim and our first swim with our big old cart keel buoy, um, and this thing, especially on me with my short legs, like it comes all the way down to the bottom of my knees, basically when I'm wearing it, <laughs> and we had inner knee chafing, like on the from inside, the of our, not knee pits, but just on the inside of the knees from the, and the salt water. It's like, you never think to put lube there. Why would you, you know, never, <laughs> never would I think to put in between, I mean, in between my thighs for sure, but in yes, between absolutely. my knees, no. <laughs> No. Okay. Any, any, um, uh, epic cramp stories while you're out there? You know, I think one of the hard things about, you know, <laughs> electrolytes is you, uh, you have to carry them with you. And, you know, like sometimes people will do like the salt tabs, and, but if you're in the water, that's going to dissolve unless you have it like in this waterproof pouch or something. So we, um, we've played around a lot with nutrition and what works for us. And we typically bring that stuff with us in some sort of like, um, 
gel or liquid form um, and carry it with us in like a soft flask or like a gel uh, precision hydration type, you know, packet. Um, we've never, knock on wood, had, I mean, we've had cramps, sure, mm -hmm. you know, they come and go, but never like a severe cramp. Okay. Situation, right, Amy? Yeah, I feel like we shouldn't talk about it though. I yeah, feel like, yeah, I, I, I feel like that's just setting us up for you. <laughs> I don't want to jinx it, but I will give a shout out to. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely give a shout out to Precision Hydration. I love their products as oh my well. God. Uh, we discovered those, and they don't taste, and it is the most amazing thing. They're like, so good. When you're doing, did every half hour at World Champs, and we carried that many gels with us, and. To, to eat that much sugar is so disgusting, but to have it not really taste was amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it, it's got, I mean, it, it's got a, a bit of a sweetness to it, but not like that sugary, sweet, like cake battery, you know, uh, stuff that you get with a lot of gels. And I recently actually for my last 70.3 in September, I experimented for the first time with their chews. Um, they actually now have sort of like cliff blocks, but their version of it. And I, I was able to handle those quite well as, uh, as well. So I obviously don't necessarily want to carry those around in the swim run because they might get wet and sticky and everything else, but for bike rides and things. So I noticed that all competitors wear these race bibs, uh, that, that go over your wetsuit and they're, they, they look very loose. Like there would be a lot of drag in them, but maybe I'm just seeing it wrong. I'm, and I'm not totally sure what that is. Is that the, those race numbers that you have to wear, is that something that the race provides? Um, and does it, does it make you feel heavy in the water? That originally came from like the, the sport of like, you know, cross-country skiing, you know, that, that bib that they wear is very traditional in that sport. And so of course that being such a Scandinavian sport, right. They, you know, um, that crossed over into swim run. So that bib is mandatory. You have to wear it on the swim and the run. And yes, people do ask, Oh, but the drag, well, but you've got shoes on, you there know, you've so much going on. You've got 23 <laughs> gel packets in your stomach. Like the bib is not the problem. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. But, That's but, hilarious. but you know, everyone's wearing the bib. So everyone gets the drag. It's an equalizer. And like, you don't, you really don't feel it. It's kind of like, you know, when you're open water swimming and you wear like the safety buoy, you know, the bright yes. orange safety buoy that drags behind you. And you think, oh, isn't that creating drag? Like, yeah, you don't really feel it, you know? After a while, you, you just I, get. I ate a big pasta dinner the night before, and nobody's gonna know, even though I'm wearing a wetsuit because I got the bib over the top. So. Yes. Okay. Okay. Is it the bib or is it the pasta, Amy? Yeah. No. <laughs> I Nobody think it's the 23 gels that are in your. Kit. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. How do you guys? What's your training look like for for this? Okay, so this team event where you two are literally tied together, um, you are doing this whole thing to, as a, as a team, but you live in different States. So talk to me about your, your actual training programs. So we use the same coach. Um, we're with on ball swim run. We um, are coached by Nicola, Nicholas Ramirez. Who's like, he's got so many accolades in the swim run world. And so when we um, which we haven't talked about when we qualified for for the the Atalo World Championship, which is a whole other story. Um, we were already training with him, and so we were like, Nico, you know, what is it going to take to get us across this finish line? Um, and whew, it was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm looking 
fucking miracle was the first. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Was that his actual quote was a fucking miracle? <laughs> okay. Thank you for your faith in us. Coach. Yeah. No, yeah. that was all us, not him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. This race is, um, this particular race, World Champs is 75K, which is what, 42, what did we say it was? 42 miles, Amy? I think it ended up being 38 run um, total, according to Garmin, who knows. 38, 38 miles, of miles of running, running. six miles. Of oh my God. Oh my God. And, and six miles of swimming, six yeah. miles of swimming. And so that required, um, yeah, very specific training plan. I think, you know, I think most people before this, you know, when you get into the water, your typical pool swim is, you know, 3000 ish, maybe. Fifteen hundred. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. for, for a full Ironman, you know, you're doing around oh, yeah. ten thousand. Is your average? You know, it's your normal. Yes, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, three, three to four thousand. You, you'll cap out at four or something. But yeah, yeah. Like you know, during our build, there were times where we were doing six k in the pool. You know, mm. um, five thousand kind of became the norm. Did, don't wouldn't you say, Amy? Yeah, absolutely. And like four thousand of that six thousand was with with paddles. Were you, and shoes? Were you swimming a lot in the pool with shoes? You know, I think in the beginning we, we did some training, like, you know, you know, previous years. Um, I did a lot of training with shoes in the pool just because I wasn't sure what it felt like, but now that we know what it feels like, we typically don't do that. Um, Okay. Okay. That's great. That's good to know because I know when I've, when I've been instructed to swim with shoes in the pool, it literally is to feel the drag and, Mm -hmm. and to work, practice your kicking. And again, that arm stroke, getting your, your stroke rate up. I mean, it's used to work on speed and strength. So it's not a good thing. It's like, it's like a punishment. <laughs> punishment. Yeah. So, so it seems like I would probably out of fear as well, swim a lot with shoes just to get that feeling and then practice a lot of my own personal swim runs, like even just short transitions to, to understand what it feels like to go back and forth in those two. So does your training involve a lot of multiple transitions or are you just going to the pool and, and like today's workout is like a 6k swim tomorrow might be a run like yeah or is yeah, or- I think typically you know you did have like two to three swims a week three to four runs a week um and then there were you know on the weekends there were like swim run specific trainings and so this is kind of where it gets a little tricky with uh training virtually with your partner you, you know Amy and I weren't there together to practice transitions but when you have a race of 20 to 50 transitions as as Amy mentioned earlier like that's that's a lot of time that can be lost or gained um in a race and so it would be ideal to practice these transitions and really have it down um, Amy and I don't, we don't, we don't have it down at all. <laughs> that would be a nice goal, wouldn't it? <laughs> but we should really work on that. <laughs> no, it's something to consider. <laughs> most, most of that transition practice is open water though. So it's not right. usually the pool swims. It's, it's um, hard I, to practice transitions in a pool. Yeah. 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 I, I live at the quarry when, when, um, on training. So yeah, you and all the turtles. Yep. <laughs> you the turtles at, at the quarry. So, and by transition, I just want to reiterate what you said earlier. Like, there's not like a separate transition area with like a towel and an aid station and porta potties or anything like that. Like, you're getting out of whatever body of water that you've just been in and you're scrambling up oftentimes rocks that are slippery or jagged or, I mean, the, you know, this isn't a beach 
entry or exit for the most part. I'm sure they have those right. as well. We but... like to say there's no red carpet in swimming. Yes, I love know? that. So by transition, you mean like your heart rate's up because you're coming out of the water or getting ready to go in. And so now you're just this transition. Then I would imagine when you're if, from swim to run, you have to take off your paddles. You you have carabiners that you hang all of your equipment from. And is that what you mean by transition, which is just like take, taking the buoy off, taking the paddles off, clipping them to your body and going as fast as you can? Yeah. And every, every team does it differently. Um, Amy and I, usually how it goes is, you know, we do use carabiners. So sometimes she'll clip her paddles to her race belt and they're, you know, flopping behind her. Usually how the transitions go for us is like, oh shit, the water's here. Quick, where's my buoy? Hold this while I grab, you know, this. And where's the tether? Clip me on it. You know, we like, haven't even mentioned so far that we call ourselves Team Shit Show. Team Shit Show. <laughs> <laughs> and we thought turn- it was adorable, but yeah. no, <laughs> Team Shit Show. <laughs> that name. <laughs> and we were in, you know, in Sweden, we had met our coach in person for the first time. And we went out to, you know, a little place in the archipelago and did some practice sessions with him and we also had this videographer that was following us to help with the documentary and um you know he's like okay let's go ahead and practice the transitions and amy and i've been doing it well the you know rasmus has his camera and he's filming us and we run down the rocks and then all of a sudden like shit show at its finest like here we are (laughs) it's our time to shine and we should do a real clean smooth nice easy fast transition and like it just goes to hell. Like, you get to the water and the tether my is buoy's like hang- Yeah, my buoy's <laughs> tangled around the tether. I have to stop and like loop it through to get it out of the tether. Then I couldn't get my paddles on. Then I'm like, okay, ready to go. And Amy gets in and the tether's wrapped around her paddle. We literally have to stop. I feel like I'm dragging a dead body behind She doesn't me. know what's happening. She just knows <laughs> yeah. that nothing is happening behind her. And I'm like, I just have to wait for her to notice because I can't do anything. Oh my God. And it's all on her. camera. It's all on camera. <laughs> and your coach is like, thank God their check cleared because I can't be held responsible for <laughs> <Exactly>. this. <laughs> so yes. Okay. So let's talk about Stockholm. Let's t- and it's, you know, the, the world championships in reading Team Adorkable blog, which is like teamadorkable.blogspot.com. And if you just skim the headlines and your entries, I see Knoxville, Mackinac Island, Swim Run Orcas, Lake James, Casco Bay, Texas, North Carolina. These are just some of the races that I saw that you had written race reports about. So the two of you have raced a lot and a lot of places. (laughs) You've gotten around. Uh, And so, but Otillo, being the world championship, being the Super Bowl, the Kona of your sport, how do you qualify for that? And okay, I, I admit I did read this. I did see how you guys got in, but I would love for you to talk about what the traditional qualifications are and then you know how you guys were able to uh, get an invite to this prestigious event. <laughs> so um, there's a couple different ways you can qualify. You can do an Attila branded race and win. That's the easiest do way. Do they have, how many are, are you in the United States? One ever. <laughs> yeah. Right, right before the pandemic hit, they had Catalina. And that was okay. their first Attila. It was their first coming out into America. <laughs> uh, and then the pandemic kind of squashed that. So that's the only race that we've had here. Um, okay. But then there's this other series. 
Right. And so there's a lot of different, um, there's one in Switzerland, there's several in um, Sweden, there's one in France. There's These are the, all the Atelo branded races. Okay. Okay. Win one of those, you're in automatically if you want it. Um, there's also merit races, which is how we got in. And so a particular, if Attila says that a race is hard enough and close enough to one of their traditional races, then they will let you be a, a merit race. And if you do a merit race, your points get added to your point bucket. <laughs> and there's four of those merit races in the U.S. Um, historically, going forward next year, there'll be three, right? So that's Swim Run NC in North Carolina. Um, there is Swim Run Lake James, also in North Carolina. Okay. Orcas, which is in Washington, and Casco Bay. Wait, that's Maine, right? Correct. Portland, Maine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's there's four um, that would count towards an Atalo World Championship qualification. So, so we, when Amy and I first, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say those were all on my list of ones that you have done. And and so when Amy and I first got into this, you know, we did like James, and you know, um, it, we didn't necessarily think that we had, you know, I think what we got second place that race, but it's such a small field and it's such a new sport that it's easy to podium. But never did we ever think like we had a goal of making it to Sweden for the world champs. Like, I don't think that we didn't even know what that was or how to do what it meant. (laughs) Right. Right. It was never on our radar until all of a sudden it became on our radar. The, you know, the year of what was it? 21, I guess 20 and 21, we had done all the U S merit races. Um, just and because they're the only races here, it's not like we were fighting for merit races. We just were doing all the races, all the races we did happen to be merit races. Amy and I have gone full on like full-time swim run. Like that's all we do. We don't do triathlon anymore. We'll do some running events and stuff like that. But, you know, swim run is kind of where it's at for us right now. So yeah, we were doing all the events and it just so happens over, you know, in Europe, they had um, some harsher lockdowns and a lot of their races weren't happening. So for us, um, in the, in the merit standings, all of a sudden we were like pretty, I don't know, like top 10, top five or something. And we suddenly realized like, oh shit, like (laughs) we might qualify for this. And especially in the female division right now. Um, so the way that Otolo, they want you to have like a monogamous team. So if Amy and I were to do a merit race and get points for that, we get points on our team adorkable. But if I were to partner with you, Carrie, and go do another merit race, those points are only for that team. And so in order to have these points count, you have to be a monogamous team. And there's just not a lot of those female teams right now in the in that division. And so, yeah, we were like, well, let's put in our application and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, it's not like having those points. We didn't have to actually, you know, submit our application, but we didn't think this would ever happen again. So, you know, it's like if you qualify for Kona, Kona you're going to take the slot. Always. Right. Right. <laughs> and why not? I mean, it's, it's sort of like the legacy thing with Kona. It's like, okay, if you do 12 races and you get in this lottery to, to be able to do Kona, it's like, why not take advantage of it? I mean, you've invested the time, the energy, the money, the travel, and these amazing experiences that you've had at these races, like, of course I would submit an application <laughs> to be considered on the, on the merit points for sure. Absolutely. And then, and then like laugh my ass off when the email comes and says you're in. <laughs> like, <laughs> so how long after you submitted, did you have to wait until you found out that, that you were in fact invited? 
I think we did the, I think they take submissions until the end of November, I think typically, right? And then we found out on your birthday, which on is my birthday, February 3rd, February 3rd. <laughs> and then the race was when? September of the same year. Okay. Okay. So February to September, you knew it like. Oh, it makes me uh, nervous. Like, it makes me nervous. On it and like, it, how yes. it felt. like, oh shit. Like uh, we had yeah. no idea you know, what we had gotten ourselves into. We thought we knew. I think mm, we thought. We okay. Knew. Interesting. Yeah. And so what does, first of all, what does Otillo stand for? Do you know? Mm-hmm. Means island to island. So uh, in, uh, in Swedish is island and till is two. And so it's from island to island. And it can't. I saw that you guys have little matching <laughs> wrist tattoos <laughs> with the, with the Island mm-hmm. insignia, which is, is, which is an O with two dots above it. That's so cool. I had no idea. Okay. See, I just learned something new <laughs> Island to Island. That is so amazing. And we, you know, it's Casco Bay is Island to Island, but it's the only race in the U S that is Island to Island. So all the other races, like we just did Austin and it is at Pace Bend park and you jump in the water, you swim around the edge of the land and you run some more, you get back in the water, you swim around the edge of the land. And that's how most of the ones in the U S are is it's, there's not really islands to swim from and to, mm-hmm. so we got to Sweden we learned what Otila actually meant. Right. <laughs> and okay, so I'm I'm envisioning freezing cold. I'm envisioning rain just constantly. And then I'm also envisioning just rugged, as rugged as you can get landscape for, on both land and ocean. You're envisioning, I believe, 2018 is what you're <laughs> that is not what we got and we feel very grateful and also a little bit ripped off because (laughs) we were promised harsh conditions and And really cold water yeah and And it was not that no it was pretty perfect (laughs) yeah I mean by by a Tolo standards right I mean it was still water was still what in the in the 50s that was probably low Okay. Low, low 60s. Okay. Yeah. About low 60s. Low okay. 60s. That's, yeah, that's very doable. Our, our, our standards have changed on cold water because you can dress for it in swim run. Like it, you can regularly do swim runs that have mid fifties for the water temp and that's just normal. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but we're, we got over the wussiness of, uh, I was like, yeah. put, okay, <laughs> if you can see my notebook here, I've got like a yes and no column. I just checked one for the no column uh-huh. on that cold water swim. There's we also had... a swim run in Malta. Okay. Um, All right. Back to the yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, there, yeah. There are courses that don't require the, the wetsuits because it is nice and warm. Okay. Okay. And let me put some more yeses in your notebook, <laughs> more checks on that side. You, you know, just find a partner, Carrie, that is a really strong swimmer and you can just draft behind them and you don't have awesome. to worry True. about swimming fast. Or- <laughs> I know. I'm like, okay, what's fish up to these days? <laughs> She's retired from Ironman. She can Perfect. drag my ass around that water. I can drag her around a a run course. Um, So, (laughs) so you guys get to Sweden and you get there a week early. Um, And for most people that are doing like major races, you're firmly into taper at that point. You know, everything is just like, you're just 
the only thing you're really doing is sort of like little rehearsals and just keeping your blood flowing. I mean, you're not training the week of a major event, but you get there and you meet your coach for the first time. You meet all of these teammates that you've never met before because it's a global swim run team. And your coach kind of puts you through the ringer for a couple of days leading up to the race. Cause he's like, you needed, <laughs> you, you guys need to see what you're about to experience. And you want to be us as prepared as possible. Yep. So, yep. so he put you through some of the rigors of the transitions coming in and out of the water, slippery rocks. All one of, of the stuff. things we've heard about this race was that the transitions are just, they're slippery. They're on slick rock. Um, and you know, you keep hearing that and you're like, Oh, we practiced that, but then you get here and it's just, it's something else. Um, and they have it everywhere. So it's not like, you know, we had to go out to some specific place to do this. Like you just walk down the street in Stockholm and there's a <laughs> water entrance for you to practice on. <laughs> it's hilarious. And, and it really, really helped um, us doing it together, uh, seeing us having faith in our shoes, because, you know, you don't know until you get there what your shoes are going to are going to do. Um, and, you know, our we used uh, Hoka Torrance and they could have been better you know, honestly, like they don't have the grip that a lot of those Swedes use. Um, and we, we have new shoes now that we're trying out. Okay. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking about that. Yeah. To, you know, to, with, with relative degrees of success and, but yeah. also yeah, the forest is different too. Um, so like there was a person there, um, a obstacle course racer who was doing this as her first swim run ever, which is so insane. And she kicked our ass utterly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one of her comments was um, like, when do they come out and groom the trails? And her partner was like, what do you mean? And she's like, in Colorado, this is not how the trail, like you don't jump over trees and like crawl under, you know, bushes and have to scale up. Like, that's just not how it is. And this is just like bushwhacking. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. So how, how, Marked is the course then, and and especially with this race specifically, where you're going from island to island, and so there's no clear lines of, mm. uh, I mean, is it a case of like keep the buoys on your right, or is it just like oh the that what? island over there we have to go we have to get to that? I'm sorry, um, the what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just answered my question. <laughs> yeah. So this, I mean, this race you, initially started as you know there was um as as any dumb good idea starts as, uh, you know, over beers and at a bar and there were four guys sitting around thinking, of course, hey. it's always dumb white guys. That's yeah. this nonsense. <laughs> but thank you, dumb white guys. In this yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, they were trying to figure out if they could, um, you know, get from one end of the Stockholm, uh, the, the archipelago to the other, um, just by themselves without any boats or anything else. And how crazy does that sound? And so they, you know, were thinking they, they mapped it out on like a bar napkin of what that course would look like. So in the early days, it very much was more like orienteering and adventure race type feel. And you had to have a compass and like know where you were going. But of course, now it's 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 and it, and it took them days to do it. You know, so now it's evolved and, you know, people can do it in seven hours. Um, and it is so well marked. It's probably the most well marked course I've ever done, which is just crazy. But it has to be because you're standing in one place in the middle of a forest. And there were so many times where you're almost having to stop just to look for the next flag. 
-hmm. and then find the direction. Cause it's not like a really clear defined trail that you could just follow. You're literally just flag to flag to flag in some of those, in some of those courses and some of the areas and the okay. more remote islands. Okay. Okay. But, and so oh, water that, the water though, there's no buoy. Yeah. Okay. It's just like, Oh, we, we got to get to that Island over Absolutely. there. You see, they have flags. So you can, you can see the flag and then you look at all the people in front of you to see, are they drifting left or right anyway? <laughs> like, is there going to be current here? You know, but really it's like, whatever, whatever you want to take to get there is how you go. Yeah. Mm. Just- this might be like the worst comparison ever, but I think of uh, of the few times in life that I've actually golfed. And uh, cause I'm not a huge fan of that sport, but I think about like when you're on the tee box and you're looking out and you don't even see yeah. the green, like you don't even see the pin, but you just know it's that way. And so I'm going to like hit my ball that way and hope that the wind doesn't carry it. Hope that the fairway is smooth. And it's just, so like, that's what I'm envisioning is like you guys being the golf balls and just going, I guess I'll go that way and see what happens. Leaps like, of faith. <laughs> yes, literally leaps of faith because I there are some amazing photos of you, one of which will, will probably be the cover of this episode of you guys leaping into the water. Um, because the way the way you do a race is the way you live life, I feel like. And the two of you just exude so much fun and so much joy in this sport. That is why it actually is exciting for somebody like me to even consider it because I see you as an example. Yeah. That's great that rich roll or whoever made it, you know, mainstream or popular or people started talking about it when he did it. Great. That's, that's wonderful for that man, but I'm not going to do it because he did it. I'm going to do it because the two of you did it. And people say that we're like great ambassadors for the sport. And, you know, we, we do a lot of stuff specifically to get other people into the sport. But honestly, our main ambassing is <laughs> how much fun we're having. And that's that's just us. Like we're just out there having the best time. It's just an amazing fun yeah. thing. It's and, and how and- average we are too. Like we're not that amazing athlete that ritual is. You know, we are very our athletic ability is very average, if you will, you know, but we just are consistent and, you know, dedicated to the, to the work we put in. But like when we got to Sweden, like that was, it was our time to have fun. It wasn't our time to be, well, yes, we had to be serious and we had to go like do the work, but like, it was really a celebration of all the hard work that we put in and damn it. If there's swings on the course, we're going to do the swing. <laughs> I love it. Should be noted. We did swing during the middle of the world championships and we did almost miss a time cut off by like three and a half minutes. So oh, wow. <laughs> okay. those facts are not related in any way. <laughs> okay. A, a couple of questions as we sort of round the corner, because I could talk about this event all day. Us but- too. We could talk about I mean, and I, I literally like I I could keep, we're both, we're all of us are in the middle of our respective work days right now. So first of all, thank you for taking the time. Um, Amy UT doesn't care. Uh, is that, (laughs) (laughs) um, but, um, what was the time cutoff for this event is, uh, you know, I, again, my frame of reference is Ironman. And I know that Ultimately, you have 17 hours, but within each discipline, there are there are uh, time cutoffs within each discipline. So does it work that way, too, on the course? If you don't make it to a certain cutoff by a certain time, your day is done. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, we we probably should have taken a harder look at what those cutoff times were. <laughs> we looked at the cutoff times and we sort of figured out what we would have to run and swim to do that. But then that doesn't make any sense while you're out there. Like those runs, um, the first couple islands are so technical and they're so slippery. And our goal for those was just to survive and not fall because people do and they break stuff. Like that's another reason that it's not like Ironman or like triathlon. It's there's a danger aspect. Um, and so you have to be careful. You have to watch out for your partner. And so we were very conservative for the first couple islands. And the most aggressive time cutoff is the second time cutoff. We made the first one by about 30 minutes. Um, so we were like, okay, we're cool. We came out of the water um, on the island of the second time cutoff. And we saw our friends who were volunteering at the swim exit. And we're like, hey, it's good to see you. And they're like, get going. And we're like, oh, we love you. <laughs> literally took her notebook and slapped amy's ass like go go <laughs> you don't have time for for hellos oh and hugs. my gosh well, well especially we get, as you, well we, i was just saying, especially uh, as like as the race goes on throughout the day and you're on you know run whatever 24 whatever it happens to be you're not running the same that you were running at your first and second and third and maybe fifth runs like well, you- so they they make the first two cutoffs very aggressive um and then it gets less aggressive from there so if you make it past the second one you're probably going to be okay 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 so we got to the time guy just past our friends and he's like okay it's 4k and you have half an hour. Is that correct? Is that Tristan? something like that? Yep. Yeah. Math Which, is just a part try of to day do the math. And now imagine trying to do it when you're in the middle of a race and you're in kilometers and you don't work in kilometers. Wait, and the run was 4K or the swim? The run, run was 4K to get to the to get to the aid station that was the time cutoff. And we're and like 30 minutes. And you know, we don't know what kind of run is it going to be. Is it going to be flat, smooth gravel? Is it going to be this terrible, treacherous, you know? like hand over knee, like, Oh yeah. 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 But once you, but once to answer your original question, once you make that cutoff, there is a cutoff there's, you know, I think there's probably three or four, maybe official cutoffs, but then once you make a certain cutoff, then you just have to make it to the finish. They'll let you go. And I think, you know, I think they want it under 14 hours. Okay. 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 We got to the, we got to the time guy and he's like, you know, 30 minutes for 4k. And we're just like, we don't know what that means. So we have to just like, we knew that it was possible that we wouldn't make a time cutoff because we're just not super fast. And, but we never really wrapped our brains around it happening. And suddenly that was a very real thing. And we're like, what happens if we, we never talked about like, what happens if we get cut off here? We just started running and just pushed as hard as we could. Mm-hmm. And which wasn't that fast still. <laughs> we <laughs> were running at a blazing fast. 11 and a half minute mile. You should have seen us. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think I could. That would be so blurry. Um, <laughs> Literally made that time cut off by three and a half minutes. And yeah. that would have wow. been really near the beginning. Like that was probably three hours. Five, yeah. Three know. hours. I think. And I were there other teams behind you that, that didn't make the cutoff? There were, there were a few teams behind us. I don't know if they didn't make the cutoff or if they just quit, but yeah, there were a few, there was one official team that finished after us, but there were, there were some that dropped that we just okay. don't really happen. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so when you guys finished, how long did it take you? 13 hours and 23 minutes or so. 
Oh, you guys had plenty of time. Okay. (laughs) But here's what I see. Here's the, here's the video that I catch. I like you, you guys just make this like funny ass spectacle. Like you don't just like run across with your arms raised in victory. No, you you like, no, why, like, why would you like, and then like pause your Garmin? Cause you, you have to like stop your Garmin, like right on the second. Oh no, 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 no. You guys like stop. You guys get organized and then you do this like crazy double somersault thing across <laughs> the finish line. Some Mary Lou Retton gymnastics <laughs> thing. And of course, like you guys had to be the celebrities there. Forget the people who win and all of those famous people. Team Adorkable, how many people were stopping to like take your selfies? I, I- Think you said it accurately that we are a spectacle. <laughs> <laughs> the nice thing about being pretty much last and having a lot of friends out there is that we had so many people cheering for us as we crossed yeah. that finish line. Yeah. Um, as we got close and there were so many people, I'm like, Trista, we're going to set a hug PR is what's going to happen right oh. here. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, and for all of the accomplishments that you both have achieved in your life and athletic careers, does that rank up at the top? Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. And the thing is, that it's not just a thing that I accomplished and it's not just a thing that Trista accomplished. It's a thing that we accomplished together and we'll always have that. And we have tattoos now. Matching. <laughs> we'll always have that too. And, and, and yeah. And I think also, I think that it's so much more special to me because I think, you know, there was a time where I think if it had just been me signed up for this race. Um, I don't think I would have made it, you know, like, I don't, I think it was, um, it was a lot for me personally this year, there were a lot of life changes and just, it was really, really hard for me to get the workouts in and not to even mention like hitting the paces that we were supposed to hit for these things in 102 degree weather during the middle of the summer. Like there were just so many challenges that we had to overcome. And I don't, I don't think that had it not been the team aspect, like if I wasn't so terrified of letting Amy down, I don't even know if I would have made it to that start line, honestly. Um, And so having done, having been through all of that and then, you know, committing to her and saying that we're going to do this together and then doing it and then it being as amazing as it was, it absolutely is the most special thing to me. Yeah. You know, when you go like do a hundred miler trail run and you have someone that comes in. No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) You're in a race where someone comes and paces you for a small section and you have that together forever. We have this entire race. Like anytime one of us thought something dumb, we just turned to the other one and said that dumb thing. Like, you know, there was, (laughs) there was no moment where we weren't able to just laugh and support each other. And it was just, it was truly beautiful. Yes. It's just a, he's a, like, you're nice. You're just nice ladies. Um, <laughs> is, is there, are there moments where it's not so fun, like not so nice, like where I, I, I love again in your blog, Amy, like the inner dialogue that takes place and like what you're thinking, surely this other person's thinking like, you know, you're, you're struggling, let's say you're struggling on the swim or on the run and in your brain, you're not, you're not just thinking, oh man, I feel like shit right now. You're also thinking, oh man, I'm holding Trista I'm letting back. my partner down. I'm yeah. letting my partner down. And meanwhile, your partner's like, 
you're fine. You're fine. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. So oh, like, Amy is, is not always nice. Sometimes she is a total bitch. And that's, that's mostly in my head. Inside of your head. It's, it's in my head <laughs> when I want to walk up this hill and I'm taking a couple steps and then I'm like, fine, Amy, shut the fuck up. Like, why are you yelling at me? And she's like, I haven't said anything. <laughs> so, so yes, my head happens. at me. <laughs> No, we are, we are so nice to each other. Like we see other teams, you know, who use kind of negative reinforcement a little bit. And we're just, we're both feeling so guilty all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Letting you down. No, you're, I'm letting you down. Oh my God. Are either of you Catholic by chance? Cause that's just inherent in my blood. Yeah. <laughs> constant guilt, just constant guilt of letting someone down. Exactly. Someone's disappointed. Um, well, I, I, I love that because that it, it goes to the formula of like, you have to find the right person who's going to compliment you both physically and athletically, but also emotionally, like there has to be a compliment there and an agreement of, okay, what are we going to do if things get tough? You know, when you were doing Ultraman, Amy, I'm sure like you instructed your crew prior to the race to be like, no, you have to be mean to me. If I don't want to eat, you have to force me to eat. Uh, and there has to be this tough love aspect of it, especially when it's a solo journey, but when it is this combination, this partnership, you have to agree on what the communication skill is going to look like because it can destroy someone. We do still have a little tough love. You know, if one of us is like, I really don't want to eat and we're like, I'm like, I know you got it though. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. going to regret it if you don't. <laughs> yes. Yes. So where can people learn more about the actual sport of swim run? I, are there various uh, race division, not divisions, but like companies? I know there's like Odyssey, for instance, they have a series of swim run events. Are there other places where people can go to learn more about the sport in general? Yeah. So I think obviously Atalo has, you know, the, the overseas races, but that's a good resource. Um, there is Odyssey is probably the biggest outfit in the U.S. that has a race series. Um, they've got like their, you know, traditional ones that they hold every year. And then, you know, next year they've um, they've added one in Florida. So that's something like new and fun. And they're kind of changing things as they are finding different courses that appeal to different masses. And then, you know, Swim Run Lake James is also a race in the U.S. And then um, it's nice to see. I'm hearing rumors that other like smaller, you know, maybe like a triathlon organization is also putting on swim run races and kind of doing their Portland, maybe I know. Yeah. Bend racing or Portland. Yeah. (laughs) So, so, um, and I think that's really kind of, you know, yes, we, we did the, the world championships, but obviously you don't have to start there. You know, you can start at your more like local race, um, just to get an idea of what a swim run is. It doesn't have to be, guess what? It doesn't have to be 42 miles long. <laughs> no. And like I said, you guys have been at this since 2018 together and you just did the world championships this year. So mm-hmm. I mean, four and a half years into this journey, you've raced a lot together on a lot of these quote unquote, smaller races. And, um, with, with a couple of Facebook groups. Um, oh, there are some Facebook groups. Okay. Run experience is a great one. Um, there are some that there's like a gear swap. Yeah. There's also the Odyssey athlete group okay. on the Facebook group. 
And on any of those, you can say like, I need, you know, I don't have a wetsuit. Hey, can someone help me out? I want to do this race, but I don't want to buy a wetsuit because I don't know if I'm going to like it. Um, Trista and I have both loaned out wetsuits to people who are doing stuff, loaned out buoys. Um, there's a, it's a very big family right now. We hope that it stays like Another great resource is Wild Swim Run. So I'm an ambassador for Wild Swim Run, which is, um, like a female led swim run group. That's all about supporting females and getting more females into the sport and supporting them once they're there. And I feel like that's a very, uh, like a very community focused, um, group that will help provide that support and knowledge and, you know, help they, they have camps and events and, you know, um, groups there too. So that's wild swim run. You can find them on Facebook and, and I need to plug a, uh, competing podcast, but <laughs> oh, oh, please. Yeah. Cause you know, cause there's like 500, I don't think our crossover audience is going to be very, they are a strictly swim run podcast. They're not in competition with anybody. Low tide boys. Low, Low tide boys. boys. Yeah, that's there. It's kind of our niche U S slash international swim run podcast. Okay. We've okay. done a lot of like everything about gear that you might wonder a lot about the people who are really big uh, and fast. And also the people who aren't, they've had us on there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know that. And do you guys know John Stevens? Oh yes, yes of course. Yeah. Yeah. I used to work with John at, um, like John and I, we worked together a lot at Purple Patch Fitness because he's one, oh, of their, yeah. one of their coaches. And does he oh, put God. on the Texas? Yeah, he's program? great. He's a co-race director of some of the Odyssey events that they put on. And he's a, a fabulous athlete and he's won a lot of the swim run races. And yeah, he's up in the Portland, Maine. So Casco is kind of his like project. Yeah. Yeah. That's when I first remember starting to really hear about swim run is when I started working with, with him, he and another uh, coworker of mine, Matt Hurley, like John and Matt had won. I think that was it San Juan. I forget which, or maybe it was Orcas. Maybe they went out and did Orcas yeah. and beat like their claim to fame was that they beat Lance they, Armstrong and Simon yeah. Whitfield. Yep. They beat yes. the Olympians. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I was like, okay, this is the real deal. But I know that it was John's passion for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But he didn't convince me that I needed to do it. The two of you actually have, like, I would actually consider doing one uh, if I could find the right stuff crazy partner that would do it with me. And if I could borrow a lot of equipment, absolutely. Until I, until absolutely. Like, I figured what I figured out what I needed. I do need to like hire uh fish or mm-hmm. I have to get a swimmer. There's there's yeah. 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 Otherwise we probably wouldn't make any cutoffs. Any <laughs> la- last bit of advice or thoughts or just um, I mean, the joy that the two of you exude is, is, is very contagious, but any last pieces of, uh, of wisdom for anyone who might consider doing something they said they could never do. Just do it. Like it's, it, there's a lot of intimidating things about it, but you just need to put it out there in the world and say, I'm going to do it. The partner will come to you. The gear will come to you. You'll love it. And if you don't love it, you don't have to do it again, but you'll love it. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> right. Just go do, don't overthink it. Like it can be very simple at its simplest form. It is just moving through nature, through the water, through the trees. That's it. You don't have to overcomplicate it. You don't have to get so wrapped around about, well, what's your pace and is it going to, you know, match with mine? And it doesn't have to be any of that. It can just be like pure and simple and fun, which is what really attracted us to the sport to begin with. It was something completely different than, you know, how many watts are you dropping on the bike and what's your pace on this, you know, for this many miles on the run? Like, it doesn't have to be any of that. It's just fun. 
you know, just running around like idiot children in the, in the woods. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, and that's what I love about the swim run is that there is a place for everybody. There is a place for those Olympians, you know, coming over and, you know, trying to be competitive in this. There's pro triathletes that show up at these races that do get beat by normal John Stevens type people, you know, and then there's, you know, the, the average athlete like Amy and I, you know, that have never tried this before. And we're coming in all together, the same start line, the same division and everything else. And we're all doing it the same way, you know, and we're all figuring it out as we go. Um, the sport is relatively new. There's no right or wrong way to do it. It's whatever you want to do and what works best for you and your partner. So just try it. And it's, it's fun. The community is so amazing. It's so welcoming so supportive, you know, you're going to go to a race and you're going to feel like you've been BFFs with these people for like five years, you know, because we are so excited, like to see new people and to see their reactions. And so it's just like open arms. We want you there. And, you know, you're going to feel like you fit in and like you belong, regardless of what your level is. If you're like at the tip top pointy ends, like super competitive Uber athlete, or if you just learned to swim last year, you know, Scene. Okay. <laughs> I was like, and mic drop. <laughs> that was amazing. That was amazing. See what I mean? My gosh. Okay. So it wasn't long after this interview that they shared links of a couple of brand new swim run events in Central Oregon, which is where I am during the summers. And I'm saying it right here. I'm saying it right here loud and clear. I will do the sprint swim run at Elk Lake this summer outside of Bend. So there, I can do this. So thanks so much, Amy and Trista. I have linked several of the resources you provided in the show notes, and thanks for supporting this independent podcast. I do this show to shine a little light on the accomplishments of others, and you can support that through the app, Buy Me A Coffee. I'll link that up in the show notes as well. I'll be taking a quick holiday break and running some older episodes, but I do look forward to some exciting new stories in the new year. Let's make 2023 our year of going from I could never do that to why not? Maybe I can. Let's do it. Have a great week and a great holiday season. Talk to you soon.